0: Hey everybody. This is Farmer D with the Citizen Farmers Podcast, bringing you inspiration, knowledge, and resources to help you grow healthy food, build thriving communities, and give back to the earth. For the past 25 years, I've been designing and building farms and gardens from backyards to agrihoods, and I'm excited to share my passion and experience for growing food and community with you. Let's dig in. The care of the earth is our most ancient and most worthy And after all, our most pleasing responsibility. To cherish what remains of it, and to foster its renewal, is our only legitimate hope. Wendell Berry, The Art of Commonplace, The Agrarian Essays. I love that quote. Um, I'm going to unpack that quote a little bit to introduce our final chapter in the Citizen Farmers series, Sustaining Equals Perseverance. So, the care of the earth is our most ancient and most worthy responsibility, and I want to emphasize responsibility. This is something that we as human beings are responsible for being caretakers of the planet, guardians of the earth, Shomrei Adama, as the Jewish faith tells us, we are placed in the Garden of Eden to till and to tend. That is our responsibility. And and in this quote, what I love is it is not only worthy and ancient, but it is our most pleasing. It is such a blessing that we get to steward this beautiful earth and that we have the tools and the gifts passed down for generations of stewardship. And to cherish what remains of it, which I find really powerful, This this idea that it's not whole, right? We've lost a lot of Species, we've lost so many of the insects, we're losing so many of the the cherished aspects of nature, and so to cherish what remains of it and to foster its renewal, to help bring back the life of the planet is really our only legitimate hope. And so this quote kind of sums it all up for me. And so this chapter is really about, you know, how do we persevere and sustain in times of challenge, whether that's challenges in your garden, just trying to get something to harvest, despite all the pests and bugs and weather and challenges that come in gardening. But also, like, how do we as a society, as humans, work together to help foster the renewal of the planet and address so many of the challenges that we face with climate change and with a depleting ecosystem. So first thing I'll do here is just, I'm going to read the introduction to this chapter and riff a little bit off of it. So after the harvest is over, the cycle begins again. And ideally our farms and gardens become more fertile, abundant, and profitable each year. Unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. The reasons are endless. Pests, weather, critters, drought, flood, fatigue, financial strain lack of adequate help, the list goes on and on. Farming is fickle, like any business. Some years are better than others. It requires a great deal of hard work and perseverance to weather the ups and downs. But don't give up. The stakes are too high, and the rewards too great. Focus on the soil, and the experience, and you will grow in many more ways than you could imagine. In my opinion, long-range success is measured by our impact on society and the earth creating meaningful jobs, and being able to take pride in what we do. It's truly an honor to do something you believe in that can provide sustained health, happiness, and fulfillment. So that's that idea of focusing on the soil and the experience really stands out for me because cultivating the soil and nurturing the soil, having that relationship through composting, through growing plants, through um, regenerating that virtuous cycle of Soil building is one of the most fundamental things that we can do to be good stewards and to be more connected to the earth and to help contribute and to foster this relationship that feeds us and feeds the planet. The experience is really about the connection that that brings, the connecting that people to the land, to the seasons, to plants, to animals you know, I see my kids, you know, here on the farm milking cows and gathering eggs and pulling carrots. I mean, these are the life-inspiring moments and experiences that define our relationship to ourselves and to, to to nature and to community. And so being able to provide those experiences for more people is really what this is about. Right? This is not necessarily about, you know, making money or, you know, starting a business or about... Anything more than really having a relationship with the soil and creating meaningful experiences in our lives. That said, how do we keep our gardens thriving over the long haul? The answer, I believe, lies in empowering our fellow citizens to support and preserve artisanal agriculture, making it the way of the future rather than a quaint relic of the past. Engaging individuals, institutions, businesses, and government is critical to ensuring the long-term viability of both urban and rural agriculture. So this is what it's about, right? This is about engaging people in this sacred act of growing food, of preserving those artisanal ways of growing and processing food and making things and sharing things. Those are foundational elements of the economy as well, right? So growing food, growing medicine, making products with those things and sharing those with our community is foundational to sustaining civilization as well as sustaining our businesses and our gardens and our farm enterprises. I'm sure you understand by now what I mean when I say that farming is about so much more than just cultivating food. It's about the relationship and understanding you build in the process with the land your inner self, and your community. If you practice the steps in this book, both you and your farm or garden will succeed over time, and you will be making valuable long-term contributions to the world around you. So in this chapter, I'll talk about sustaining your projects and explore some of the challenges you'll most likely encounter and hopefully provide tips on how to persevere through them. I'll also share ways to preserve the harvest and offer ideas for helping your gardening and farming endeavors to succeed into the future. Whether you're seeking primarily to feed your family from your own backyard, to add to your income, or to contribute to the larger mission of supporting the sustainable agriculture movement. So, a big part of this chapter, you know, when I wrote this chapter, it was um, a big part was kind of going back and, and synthesizing the book through the lens of both how do we keep our gardens thriving. And also, how can we be? How can we cultivate the, the entrepreneurial spirit, as I say in the book, entrepreneurial spirit? And the reason I use entrepreneurial, over the years, you know, I've had several ventures in compost. Um, I had a big compost business for a while um, in the mid-2000s where I took all of Whole Foods' food scraps, composted them, uh, and sold them back them under the Farmer D brand in a bag uh, and the first certified biodynamic compost in the country. And it was a great program and a a really great story to show how we could take um, what was otherwise going into the landfill to the dump, recycle it, turn it into a really great, amazing, high quality compost that went back to actually farmers that were growing food for Whole Foods, but also to customers of Whole Foods that could now start to grow their own food. So they were taking the food scraps and turning it into home gardens and school gardens. And so I'm, I'm, I'm my entrepreneurial spirit is definitely um, alive and well and has been through many journeys over the years and looking at different ways to continue to farm and help promote the ideas of regenerative farming and urban gardening and finding ways to create more impact, and you know, business is a tool for that. Um, creating a you know businesses that drive more gardens. You know, we I had a store in Atlanta for ten years, where we designed and built and installed and maintained gardens in homes and restaurants and schools and hospitals, and that's and that you know those kinds of entrepreneurial endeavors that get more gardens and farms going is really what this is about, right? So, you know, in part, it's not that I'm saying go off and change your career and and start a new business. Not that you shouldn't, but it's also about maybe there's just ways to do small, creative, entrepreneurial things that help cover the cost of your, your garden habits. So... For those of you wanting to turn your gardening passions into a source of revenue, here are a few quick ideas to channel your inner entrepreneur. Whatever you choose to do to cultivate a better world, I hope you do it with a smile and share it with as many people as you can. Together, we can sow seeds for a brighter future and inspire coming generations of citizen farmers to do the same. Okay, so composting. There's nothing more valuable in a garden than compost. Many people are not able to produce as much as they need at home or need a place to send the organics they generate. This creates an opportunity for the entrepreneur, entrepreneur to step in and help them. One way is to offer a compost collection service where for a small fee you come to someone's house once or twice a week and pick up their organics. There are a number of models like this that have popped up all over the country. Whether you're looking for such a service or want to start your own, there's a black gold mine here. Worm farming is another business opportunity that often starts out with a bin or two in the basement and can quickly escalate to renting a warehouse for millions of worms. There's a market for worms for composting and fishing and even a larger market of gardeners who know the value of high quality vermicompost. Lastly, making quality compost on a large scale and selling it to gardeners, landscapers, and farmers can channel your love for compost into a viable career opportunity. There's some innovative composting companies that are making a big impact and big profit by redirecting organics from the landfill to their compost facilities and ultimately to a gardener like you. And what's interesting, here in California, there's a a bill, um, Senate Bill SB 1383, I think it is, that is going to make composting a requirement by law. So you will get fined If you are a business or an institution uh, or even a residence that is not composting, that means major opportunity if you're in California because composting is going to become a big deal. And this is only like less than two years away that this bill kicks in. So if you're interested in compost as your jam, I would highly recommend um, looking into that bill and seeing where there might be some opportunities to uh, help make it happen and maybe even make a few bucks along the way. Okay, planning. This has been more of my path. You know, I've been a farm and garden designer now for 20 years. Um, The main thing that I do is design farms for a living. And I love it. It's just such a fun thing to take, you know, a, a blank canvas And bring it to life and create food and community and jobs and regenerate soil and feed those in need and teach people about gardening and farming. I mean, to me, this is like the more of these kinds of farms we can design and integrate into society, the better off we all will be. And that's the whole premise, right, is that we all, all citizens need to value that, prioritize that, contribute to that if we're going to have any legitimate hope, as Wendell Berry says. Okay, so planning. Is there a designer in you? There are millions of homes and businesses out there that want to create new, sustainable farms and gardens or improve their existing ones. Here is where you come in. The growing interest in creating edible, organic, regenerative, and permacultural landscapes is providing opportunities for those of us who have knowledge to share and can help illustrate the possibilities. You don't have to be an artist or landscape architect to do this. You need to have a good idea of what plants will do well in a particular area and be able to translate that into a functional and aesthetically pleasing design. Expressing a garden design on paper or through a digital program is a very valuable skill and one people are willing to pay for. So there's there's a lot of opportunities here, right? There is an incredible... I mean, I wrote this book, you know, six... This came out over six years ago, but I think today, post-COVID and what's happening th- these opportunities have grown uh, exponentially as far as how many people that i talk to now and how much interest there is in in growing food and designing you know people's homesteads to be more productive learning you know more skills around design is also a lot of fun if you're if you're an artistic person and you enjoy drawing or you know any kind of visual arts program this is a really Great direction. There are good programs out there if you want to go get a landscape design certificate or even pursue a degree in landscape architecture. Lots of options there. Next chapter: Tilling. More and more people are thinking about turning their large lawns or small backyards into food-producing gardens, but are not necessarily up for the hard work that this entails. And it is hard work. They are, however, willing to pay someone else to do the heavy lifting so they can start planting their way to food independence. Do you have a strong back and some business savvy? Maybe you made a few bucks mowing lawns in high school and are ready to take it to the next level. Invest in a few tools, maybe a rototiller or tractor and trailer. You could be in the garden installation business in no time. There's nothing more fulfilling than coming home from a hard day's work with mud-covered knees and the deep satisfaction of having added another garden to the world. And that is true. Um, Having done that for many years, building gardens through the Farmer D store in Atlanta, um, man, it was so fulfilling. Every day we'd go out with a crew, multiple crews, big truck, uh, pickup truck full of stuff, a trailer full of compost, raised beds, plants, fertilizer, irrigation. We'd drive out and, and within hours, families would be you know, ear to ear smiling with these beautiful gardens now in their backyards where they're growing food. With their families, with their kids, um, it's really a great thing to contribute, especially with raised beds and you know edible landscaping. And if you do have you know you know some good tools or you know rototiller, I mean it's incredible how quickly, with a crew and some some planning, you can put a garden in in a house literally within hours. Um, you can transform a place um, and have it pumping food. So the next chapter is sowing. The easiest way to succeed in gardening, especially for beginners, is by starting with a seedling rather than a seed. A seedling is a plant that has been grown in a greenhouse for a month or two and is ready to be transplanted into the garden. It will grow to maturity in a much shorter time than if it had been planted directly from seed. This gives the gardener a jump start and also sidesteps the most fragile time in the life of a plant, from germination to young adulthood. These hardy little teenagers also allow a gardener with limited space to maximize production by reducing the time each crop takes from planting to harvest. So, herein lies the business opportunity. Growing edible starts for home gardeners and farmers. Yes, even farmers experience the same benefits, and many are buying what are called plugs for crops that are harder to grow from seed and to get a head start on their season. Plugs are basically very young seedlings, usually about three weeks to a month old, and just a few inches tall when they're transplanted. Starts, or transplants, are about two months old and are usually in bigger pots with larger root systems. Once you master the art of growing from seed in a greenhouse, in a hoop house, or even indoors, you have a valuable product that lots of gardeners are willing to pay for. In our retail store, every year we would sell thousands of organic vegetable herb and edible flower transplants to home, school, restaurant, and community gardeners. One good way to get started with this is to grow enough starts for your needs, plant extra as a buffer, and sell any surplus to friends and family, or use them as a barter. Seed starting is a great thing to do for your own garden, but it's also something that is really easy to overproduce more than you need and share with others, whether you're just going to give those away or sell them or trade. It's such a great currency. Everybody loves getting veggie starts and herb starts and flower starts, so a great little uh, enterprise opportunity and a lot of fun to do growing many people love the idea of growing build a garden then realize they're either too busy or too inexperienced to give the garden the attention it needs to thrive that's where a passionate knowledgeable gardener like you comes to the rescue by offering a maintenance program in which you tend someone's garden once a week and leave a basket of fresh picked veggies on their doorstep there are more and more models like this that have been sprouting up around the country in fact, Farmer D Organics was one of them. We maintained dozens and dozens of gardens for individual schools, hospitals, and restaurants around Atlanta. And we also helped many of them maintain their compost and worm bins, backyard chickens and bees. That is a trend, um, you know, and that this can be like really simple. This can be just you helping out a few people with their garden, right? So maybe you just pick up, you know, 10 hours a week help out a couple neighbors, they see your garden, like, oh my God, that looks amazing. You know, how do you grow such nice tomatoes at your mailbox? And can you help me? And then you're helping them. And all of a sudden, like, you know, you're helping grow gardens in your neighborhood and you're making a few extra bucks. And, you know, before you know it, you know, you could turn that into a full fledged business. Um, it is true. I mean, a lot of people want gardens and uh, yet they don't realize how much work it is. So um, if that's something that you can help uh, there's definitely an opportunity there. The next chapter is healing. Gardens can actually provide therapy, and not just from working in the garden and eating fresh veggies. Growing medicinal plants and making teas and tinctures and more can actually be a way to support your garden hobby and maybe even turn it into a lucrative business. One valerian plant, for example, can easily yield about 20 ounces of tincture, which could sell for about $150 you can see how a small medicine garden could pay for itself in no time. If this path is of interest to you, I recommend taking a course and doing some research, as these plants are very potent and should be used properly. There are also a number of herbal products like salves, lip balms, and lotions that are not ingested, so do not pose as much of a safety concern. Who knows? You could become the next Burt's Bees. Another healing route is a horticulture therapy degree or certificate where you could make a meaningful living helping people heal through gardening. On the growing the herb side and and making medicinal products, there's definitely some knowledge that's needed there. There's some great books, amazing herbalists that have written wonderful books that are kind of DIY guides. You know, don't be intimidated. There's plenty of simple things you can do growing herbs like Chamomile and mint, and making tea blends, or even growing echinacea or valerian and making your own tinctures. There's nothing to be worried about, but if you're going to start selling products, there are issues with herbs and that you got to kind of work through if you're going to really grow a significant business with it. The horticultural therapy route is really, really, really cool. So, I did a, a hort- horticultural therapy course in 99 at Merritt College in Oakland when I was running the farm at Log Cabin Ranch at the youth prison. And, you know, it's powerful what horticultural therapy can do for different audiences, different um, people who are struggling with um, all kinds of illness, whether that's, you know, physical or mental illness. So, you know, if you really love gardening and want to share that and you're good with people, especially people that maybe have dementia or are physically, you know, have have special needs, or um, or incarcerated, you know, these kinds of um, folks that can benefit from gardening for for therapeutic, from a therapeutic perspective. There's actually degrees where you can go study to become a horticultural therapist and work in a hospital or a care facility. So that's a really great path, and it's it's a there's an interesting history behind it, <clears throat> um, and I think there's more and more of a future in it. Um, I think especially. You know, as we we've been going through COVID, I think there's a lot of people that are hurting, obviously, um, that are going to need help um, getting back on their feet and healing some trauma that they've been through. And so, you know, who knows? Maybe this could have a resurgence. Um, Horticultural therapy could be a great gift to the world um, in the in the years to come. Reaping. Perhaps you want to farm as well as reap the lifestyle benefits that come with it. More fresh food than you can eat, a community of people to share it with, meaningful work, a farmer's tan, and no gym membership. If you've tried your hand at gardening and found not only that you are good at it, but that you can't imagine doing anything else, I suggest taking a leap of faith and starting your own farm, maybe a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture Farm, or garden. The beauty of a CSA is that others who are confident in your ability to grow their food We'll invest in you, sharing the risks as well as the rewards. You can start with a small group of friends and family working a big backyard garden and possibly advance to a leased piece of land or eventually even buy your own farm. I can think of no better career path than being a CSA farmer. It's not a get rich quick scheme. In fact, the riches are the lifestyle more than the money. So do not go down this road if your agenda is making lots of money with minimal effort. A CSA is a great foundation for a career in farming and can set the stage for many, if not all, of the other opportunities I've outlined in this section. So as you know, I mean, I'm a longtime CSA farmer. I've started, I don't know, at least half a dozen CSA farms over the years, and I'm a huge believer in the concept of a community supporting a farm. And, you know, you, you see a lot of different iterations of the CSA concept now there's some really creative approaches to um to CSA some really like kind of more authentic to its origin to its roots which is where you've got like really families invested in a farm sharing in all of the risks and 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 the responsibilities and you have some that are a little more like ah, i just pay like once a week i buy a box of veggies right and they're delivered to my door maybe even and, and maybe the food comes from the farm, maybe some of it does, some of it doesn't, some of it comes from other farms. There's a lot of different iterations of CSA concepts. What I love so much about the concept of CSA is that it really d- creates a direct link between the farmer and the consumer, which becomes more than a consumer. They become more of a co-producer with the farmer. You know, it, it's a community builder. It, it, it gives the farmer a community that's supporting their work, not just a customer to sell to and it's very different, culturally different. The whole business model is different from that respect. It's a little more of a cooperative than, than a traditional business. And, you know, in the, the agri-hoods that I work in, the CSA model is just the most natural fit as the kind of the, the nucleus, the hub, the heart of a community. Where people, when they live in a the community, they're going to naturally invest in the farm that they can walk to and that that feeds them both, you know, with nourishing food, but also with great experiences and an opportunity for them to connect to the land and to the food and to the seasons and be a part of the farm, um, you know, without having to bear the whole burden of it. So, and and even a great farmer shouldn't bear the whole burden of the farm. You know, I believe that, you know, it takes a village. Really, it does. It takes a village. And we need that. We need more community support around the kind of farming that we want to see in the, in the future. So, um, if we're going to solve this huge crisis we're in around this foods, the food system, I I think that starting at the CSA level is probably, uh, the foundation for that. So you can make a big difference, you know, you can start, and and I've seen this, I mean, just, you get your backyard garden pumping, you know, and before you know it, you got 10 families that you're feeding and your, 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 your garden becomes, um, you know, a a a source of food for the community that you're in for your family and friends helps you cover that time to invest in it. And then, you know, as you kind of get better at it and learn the, how you want to grow and what you want to grow and how you want to structure your CSA, you've now got kind of a, it's a bit of an incubator for what could be a larger enterprise, um, or even the beginning of a community sharing, um, Sharing is the next chapter. A growing number of social entrepreneurs. And if you don't know what a social entrepreneur is, essentially a social entrepreneur is someone that goes into business not to make money alone, but to make a difference in society. A growing number of social entrepreneurs are finding creative ways to bring fresh produce into the food deserts and to use gardening as a tool for educating, empowering, and employing people in need. There are some great nonprofit organizations, working to share sustainable agriculture practices and resources, anywhere from their own neighborhoods to the most remote reaches of the planet. If this is your calling, I recommend working for one of these organizations before you start your own. As a past founder and executive director of a few nonprofits, I can assure you that as in a garden, there will be plenty of planning, sowing, and growing to do. So, yeah, if this is more your jam, and I, I got to say, um, you know, farming is typically not a very profitable venture. So, you know, I don't encourage people to go into small scale, diversified community farming if their goal is to make a lot of money. Um, and so the nonprofit approach makes a lot of sense in this industry, in this field. And so and there are some really great ways to both feed your family and friends and charge for that but there's also wonderful things that we can be doing to help get healthy, fresh food to those who can't afford it. And those who, those who need it most. And in addition to getting fresh food to people who need it most, which is more of an, more of a, a pressing need than we've, than I've ever seen in my lifetime for sure. Um, there's also amazing opportunities to do education and teach people how to grow their own food and kind of teach them to fish, so to speak. And, um, and a lot, of, a lot of important work that farms can do to help society. So um, taking the nonprofit route is definitely something that I uh, encourage. And, you know, it's, it, is a, it is a journey. There's a lot of things in the nonprofit world to understand how to navigate. It's not easy. Um, it's definitely not a, you know, kind of way to build significant wealth, but it can be a way to have a very rich life and feel really good every day you wake up for what you're contributing to the world and being a part of something bigger than yourself and creating something with lasting impact. So, um, yeah, that's that's sharing. And the final chapter and the chapter that we're in, sustaining. Most of what you grow is perishable and needs to be eaten or sold very quickly. Some options for selling your fresh produce include farmer's markets, CSAs, restaurants, co-ops, or grocery stores. However, there is a way to add value to and extend the shelf life of your harvest. By making and selling value-added products such as sauces, salsas, salad dressings, you may start out in your home kitchen making some pesto with your bumper crop of basil and garlic and giving it as a holiday gift to your friends and family. Then once you feel you have a marketable product, it's time to find a certified kitchen. Nowadays, there are food hubs with shared commercial kitchens, or you can find a restaurant, catering company, or even an underused community kitchen at a church that's willing to rent space at a discount. In this model, you don't have to keep growing everything yourself. You can also support local farmers by buying their fresh produce and turning it into something pickled, fermented, canned, dehydrated, or preserved. There are many multi-million dollar value-added food businesses that started out in a home kitchen or a hippie commune. Take Stonyfield, Annie's, Ben & Jerry's as your inspiration. Start whipping up a batch of your grandma's favorite recipe and see where it leads. So that covers the entrepreneurial spirit section of our sustaining equals perseverance chapter. Honestly, I think that's one of my favorite parts of the whole book. I just feel like, you know, turning these virtues, these these processes in the garden into action, right? And the things that it's not just about making money or having a business, but something that can kind of regenerate itself, create impact and drive change, both actual change and like pocket change. And that's the end of part one for the sustaining equals perseverance episode. Join us for part two, where we'll dig a little more into getting your garden ready for the winter. Join the Citizen Farmers community. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. For more information, check out today's show notes. Special thanks to our pilot sponsor, Netafin, the company that first brought drip irrigation to the world over 50 years ago. This podcast was co-produced and recorded by Ben Bernstein. Our audio editor is Stephanie Lamont. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Citizen Farmers podcast with Farmer D. Until next time, enjoy your time in the garden.